welcome to the worship service at the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Hayward, California, a multicultural church in the San Francisco East Bay that worships on the Seventh-day Sabbath, Saturday. The ministry of the Word by Pastor Paul Penno is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to forgive sin and save from sin by his cross and ministry as priest in the heavenly sanctuary, the third angel's message in verity. Join us now as the service is in progress. Those singers like Michael Harris make Jesus look real good, church. Amen. Thank you, Brother Harris. That's just a taste of what I expect this evening. Amen? Amen. It's a joy to be at the Hayward Church. I was told that you all get out at 12 o'clock. I don't know if you all know, but I am I'm legally blind, so I can't see the time. Are you all with me? I want to thank Pastor Pinole for having me in his pulpit. He did it at his own risk, but I'm grateful, sir, for the invitation. And I really appreciate the ambassadors and the great work that they have been doing throughout Gatting and um, San Leandro. Amen. Elder Moses, thank you for joining me. He tried to preach my sermon, y'all. Did, did you, I thought I was here to do the benediction. So, join. Now, why I like to tell people that I am... I'm, I'm legally blind. Well, of course, legally blind, of course, means that, that they won't give me a license to drive. It doesn't mean I won't. They just won't give me a license. <laughs> because June Roy Gay had the audacity to ask me if I drove myself here this morning. <laughs> but I, I need people to know, family, I need people to know that no matter how challenged or broken or restricted or limited you might be by life, nothing could stop God from using you but you. Should, should I say that one more time? Nothing could stop God from using you but you. So it's, it's, it's a joy to be here. We're reading from Matthew, the first chapter. Turn in your Bibles with me. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 through... 23. The word of God says, And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, because he shall save his people from their sins. And all this took place, that which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and she shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Which translated means God with us. Pray with me again. It's in your name we have come, asking for your blessings, asking for your power, O God, that you would open our hearts and don't just fill our minds, O oh God, but touch our feet and our arms so that lives would be transformed through the ministries that we would do in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
and amen. A few years ago, I um, finished my graduate studies at Andrews University, and I was happy to leave that place. You hear me? When I got to California, I started singing, There is sunshine in my soul today. <laughs> Talk about dreaming of a bright Christmas. I couldn't wait. Sister Kate, it was not as warm as Guyana. I couldn't wait. So I, I got to California, and I came to do a PhD in preaching, right, in homiletics. And, and one of the things that, that, that threw me off is I got to the Grand Avenue Church, and they would do something interesting. They would prepare bag lunches for the homeless after prayer meeting. I like that. I like that. It makes your religion practical. You know, I am, I am kind of tired of religion that only talks about God and does nothing for humanity. So sometimes I am burdened with a religion that, that would preach about the crucifixion but ignores those who are being crucified every day. Sometimes I get tired, family, of a religion that, 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 that tells people in my father's house, there are many mansions, but they ain't doing squat to help folks with low-income housing. That's not the religion of Jesus. So, so I, I was impressed with what the, what the church was doing. But, but, but then, then one of, the, one, one of the, the, the founders of the ministry said, well, um, we bag the lunches on, on, on Wednesday evenings, and then we give them to the homeless on a Thursday, I'm like, mm-mm, bagging the lunches, that's enough. That's enough. Because, you know, I don't see well, so I, I don't even know what's going to happen to me when I go out in those parks. If they strike me, I wouldn't see where the blow came from. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they want to take the risk. So after about eight months or so, I decided, to, I decided to man up and enter those parks with my buddies from the Grand. And um, walked up to a guy. I'm handing him a lunch. And I said, hey, I'm, my name is Dexter. He said, I'm Dexter too. I'm like, you got to be kidding. He said, of course I'm kidding. And he laughed his head off at my gullibility. And then he said something, something that, that never left me. He said, no, I know you thought that all the people you would find in these parks were crazy and were lunatics, right? And he was correct. I thought, would, you know, it'd be a bunch of nuts I would find in the parks, right? But instead, instead, church, I saw people who used to be medical doctors, who were professors, lawyers, and they just gave up on life as we know it. And then I realized that what we were doing, you know, the, the feeding ministry, sandwich ministry, we, these, I mean, this is America. Those guys could have gotten food from a hundred different locations right around the park. And I, and I knew something was missing. So, so I started networking with the guys who, you know, lived in the parks and so on. And I networked the best way I knew. And I, I played dominoes. I loved playing dominoes. So I started playing dominoes with them. And um, I never lose when I play dominoes. Never. Because I said to the guys, I said, guys, if you all allow a blind man to whoop you in dominoes, you should be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> and then when they put a beating on me, I bowed my head and I said, how could you all take advantage of a blind man? <laughs> I never lose. Never. 
And those, those guys, they laughed at me and they, they just loved, they fell in love with me. So the so-called thugs and gangsters actually became my personal bodyguards. And then together we decided that we should start a church run by homeless people. And that's what we did six years ago. Started a church, still meets every Sabbath afternoon. We begin with a meal and then we break out into praise and worship. That's church for me. You see, it, 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 it bothered me as I, as, I, as I got to the streets and I saw all the needs. I, I saw teenagers. I, I saw the needs and, and, and I saw the, sim, the simple things that it took to restore people back to what we would call normalcy. Simple stuff like getting a, a bus pass for them or helping them to, to regain their, their social security benefits. I'm like, this, this is incredibly crazy. These simple things and these people are reunited with their families and so on. And it, so, so, You know what happened to me, church? When I came to church, my stomach was sick. I couldn't sing the hymns and the anthems like we usually do while people were suffering and dying. And you're talking about a Jesus that gives life? Because I, I, I sat there and I saw in the church there were, there, there, there were people who had the gift to counsel and there were people committing suicide every day on the streets, dying just for, just for a listening ear. There were people who were blessed with, with social skills and family planning, and there were a lot of teenage girls getting pregnant. There were so many gifts in the church to be a blessing and to fulfill the needs of the people in the community that it bothered me. And I was asking Jesus for a word for his church, and I came across this passage. And she will be a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us, not God for us or God to us, but God with us. Now, this, this is profound. It's, it's, it's deep. It's, it's loaded. It's, it's not talking about a God who is, who is transcendent, who is above and beyond us, and who is way out there looking down on us puny human beings, but it's talking about a God who is imminent, who is near and close, who is right among us. He's God with us. That's why John 1 and verse 1 says in the beginning was the word and the, the word was with God. And, and, and you drop down to verse 14 and it says the word became what? It became flesh and it dwelt among us. The one, one, one in, in, in the Greek, the Greek actually says the word pitched a tabernacle among us. I love what Eugene Peterson's, how he, trans, how he paraphrases that verse in the, in the message Bible. He says that the word became flesh and moved into the ghetto. That's what our Jesus did. And I, I knew Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us, when he, was, when he was dining with folks who were called sinners and publicans. I knew he was God with us when, when he was touching those living with, with leprosy. Today, it would be like HIV, right? I knew that Jesus was, was truly God with us. When he was fellowshipping with the, with the fraud and, and dining with the despised and, and giving power to the, to the powerless and cherishing the children, I knew he was Emmanuel, God with us. I knew it. I knew he was Emmanuel when Hebrews 4 and verse 15 and 15 says that we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but in all points he was tempted like as 
we are yet without sin. He's Emmanuel. I knew it. When Revelation 3 and verse 20 says, Behold, he stands at the door and he knocks. And if you would open, he'd come in and have dinner with you. I knew he was Emmanuel when I heard his words to his despairing disciples. Lo, I am with you, even unto the ends of the age. Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. So, so if, if we claim to be Christians, <laughs> I don't know if the, the definition of Christianity for you guys have changed, but it, Christian used to mean a follower of Christ. And, and I guess if, if, if we are following Jesus, it, it means that, that we are supposed to be Emmanuel, God with people. But I think as I, as I observe how we live, I think we have somewhat changed the definition of the word Emmanuel. I don't think, I mean, the way we do our ministry and the way we do church, Emmanuel is God with us. That's not how we interpret Emmanuel. The way we live, Emmanuel for us is God with us alone. You know how I know that? Because most of us would be touched by this message and none of our neighbors would hear about it. Because we interpret Emmanuel as God with us alone. You know, that's why, that's why, as a pastor, I have to twist your arms and beg and cajole you to distribute tracts with truths that you have claimed has transformed your life. Because Emmanuel for us means God with us alone. Someone says that at Venice, we, we keep the faith. I mean, we keep it so well that people don't even know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Huh? That your co-worker who is suffering with depression won't even know that there is an alternative in finding life in its abundance in Christ Jesus because we interpret Emmanuel as God with us alone. Well, then there, there are others of us. We, we don't interpret Emmanuel as God with us alone. No. You know, we, we go and we distribute food, don't we? We go and we give Bible studies. And we have different seminars for the community, don't, don't we? Yeah, sometimes we go feed people in the parks. So we, we don't de de define Emmanuel as God with us alone. But even in these acts of kindness, I still see sometimes a faulty definition of Emmanuel. We might be defining Emmanuel as God with us more than he's with them. Huh? God with us more than he is with them. You see, the interesting thing about how we do ministry as a church is we don't ask the people about their needs. We presuppose, because we are more spiritual, because we have the three angels' messages and the spirit of prophecy, we know what they need more than they do. How insultive. Huh? It's like, it's like one of our churches had a um, how to stop smoking seminar. And they were so proud. They're doing stuff for the community. And this drunk rolled up into that joint, right? <laughs> and he picked up one of their pamphlets and he's like, man, you guys are kidding. You need a seminar on how to stop drinking. And then some of the members observed that within that city alone, there were like four bear factories and a bunch of unemployed and frustrated people. But you see, the church said to themselves that because they had the Bible, because they knew about ministering to the poor, that they knew what the people need more than the people themselves. 
They didn't know that when they put on these little programs that they were insulting the people and belittling them. Huh? Because they, 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 they had made themselves experts on the people's problems. You know, one, 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 one preacher once said, he said the first thing he noticed as he started ministering to the poor is that people who couldn't read or write still knew how to think. Hello. And I'm telling you, church, that, 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 that every human being, no matter how broken or how messed up they are, they are still the experts on their needs. Oh, y'all, y'all don't like that. Y'all don't like that. I just robbed y'all because we think that we know what's best for the people. You see, what people need is to know that God is with them. People need to experience Emmanuel, not, not, God with them, not God with us alone or God with us more than he's with them. They want to experience God with them. And you see, when people understand that God is with them, no matter how broken or how bruised or how battered they are, they will receive the strength and the power to walk new lives in Christ Jesus. You remember Gideon? Man, the angel, the angel rolled up into that barn and, and, and the angel was like, yo, man of valor. You all didn't know the angel spoke like that, right? The angel was from Oakland. I know you all thought he was from Hayward. Sorry. But, but he said, great, man of valor. And, and Gideon was like, who is he talking about? about? Gideon just started looking around and, yeah, you. It's like, man of valor, me, great. God is with me. And listen to the profoundity of Gideon's word in Judges chapter 6. Gideon said, how could God be with me when I'm suffering so many calamities? You see, a lot of poor people, a lot of people who have been abused and marginalized, they interpret their abuse and their poverty as evidence that God is not with them. Are you all working with this message? They interpret their hardship to mean that God has left them and God has forsaken them. So what do you think happens when we as a church interpret Emmanuel as God with us alone or God is with us more than he's with them? But when, people, when Gideon did understand that God was truly with him, with an army of 300, he defeated an army of over 85,000. What power, what greatness people experience when they realize that in the midst of their hell and their horror, that Yahweh, Jehovah, he is still with them. They will realize that there is no, no, no valley too low, no, no mountain too high, or no, no ocean too wide that they and God cannot conquer because they realize God is with them. Huh? God is with them. You know, it's like, a, um, it's, but it's really easy though. It's easy to be Emmanuel. God is with us alone. Because I really thought, I'm just being honest. I thought that because I knew the 27th back then, fundamental belief, and I knew the Bible. I mean, I was at a point where I could quote something from every chapter in the Bible, all 1100 and something chapters. I was bad. I thought that was it. I was good to go. A free ticket to heaven. Jesus, go on. Do your thing. Stop stop passport. But you know, church, when, when, when I got out on the streets and I saw all the suffering and I saw how we as a church were, we were ignoring the suffering and we were not doing anything significantly. We were not helping to change laws and, and, and structures. And we were looking at 
systemic oppression and just sitting in a corner and reading all little quarterlies. It, it bothered me. And then when I started reading the Bible, and I started reading, and almost every other chapter, the Bible is talking about visiting the widows and the orphans in their afflictions and the needy. I'm like, how come I wasn't seeing all these things before? I, I really thought all I needed was to just know the doctrines and, and be able to repeat good stuff. And how come I wasn't seeing these things? And it's so easy just to give handouts without befriending people. But I was showing them the love of Jesus. It, you, you know, once a um, homeless guy stopped a, a, a preacher and he said, hey, um, could, I, could, could I have $5? And he gave him a little story. And the preacher pulled out the five bucks and he said, man, I'm so happy to give you this $5. He said, by giving you this $5, you're letting me off the hook. I don't, have to, I, don't have to, I don't have to kneel and pray for you all night. By giving you this $5, I, I don't have to um, get with some of my friends and try to brainstorm of, of how we're going to get housing for you and who, how we're going to help you find a job. By giving you this $5, man, this is the easiest, but take the $5. And the homeless guy said, no, thank you. And he followed the man to church, gave his life to Jesus, and became the leader of a great community organization. Because through that preacher, he experienced God with us. That's what he experienced. He experienced God with us. You know, I was on the streets midnight in Oakland, right? Well, and, and, and I'm engaging this homeless lady. She's been homeless for about 25 years, which is most of her life. And I said to her, I said to her, remember, I believe that every human being, no matter how broken or dysfunctional they are, they still know what's best. So I said to her, well, well, well Ruby, what would life be like if you were not on drugs? And she repeated the question, <coughs> she repeated the question about 15 times. If I were not on drugs? If I were not on drugs? If I were not on drugs? And then finally she said, well, if I were not on drugs, I would have clean clothing. She said, if I were not on drugs, I, I would be able to, um, I'd be able to, have an apartment and a warm bed and a refrigerator and food in the refrigerator and I would be able to, to read bedtime stories to my kids if I were not on drugs. And, and she's talking and she's touching her clothing as if, as if her fresh envisioning had begun to become a reality. And I, I couldn't stop the rapid swelling lump in my throat and it wasn't because I was thinking, poor woman. But it's because the, the, stuff, that she was, the stuff that she was saying was, was, for her was like winning the lottery. It's things that I take for granted every single day. Emmanuel, God with us. You know, there was a, there was a hearing impaired amputee that we helped off the street and we got him a little hotel room in downtown Oakland. And then when he came to our, our, our homeless church, you know, I would preach and we'd be singing and he would he'd hear the testimonies, but he, wouldn't, he couldn't participate because he wasn't hearing, you know? And he can't read lips properly. And, and, and one, one of my members, talk about Emmanuel, God with us. One of my members, he, he brought his laptop and, and he started typing out the, the testimonies and the prayer requests and the prayers and the songs and the sermons and, and this, this grown man began sobbing like a baby. And he said to us, he said to us, because he could speak, he said to us, he said, man, I've been, I've been deaf for 13 years. 
And I've been to several churches that ain't nobody ever done anything like this for me. He experienced God with him. That's what he experienced, church. He didn't experience just a Bible study or someone trying to shove their doctrines down his throat, but he experienced God with him. He was loved in the most practical way. You see, church, we need to get to the place. And that's why a lot of us, our families, don't want to know nothing about the God that you serve. Because the God that you serve is mean and ugly because of how we treat them. No wonder some of them are atheists. I would be atheist too. I don't want to serve that ugly God that you serve. He ain't even changed your life. We need to get to a place as Seventh-day Adventists that we need to love people even if they never accept Jesus as their Savior. No, no, my accent got in the way, Dex. Say that again, man. The church didn't hear you. We need to love people genuinely even if they don't care about your church, your religion, your God, and love them. Even if they never accept you. Did, did, did you read John? Did you, did, did you, have you guys been studying the quarterly? You know, I, I love what John said. John talks about, you know, um, I'm loving and so on and, 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 and be like Jesus who would lay down his life for a friend. And, and we're thinking, wow, what a big thing. Man, could I, could I really do that? This John chapter, 1 John 3 and verse 15, right? But, but then from verse, verse 16, then from verse 17, he began to break the thing down. He said, he, said, he that has this world's goods and sees his brothers in need. I mean, how in the world? Does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word and in deed, but let us love in truth. Let us not love in, in, in word only, sorry, but in, in truth and in deed. John was saying love ought to be hands on. And that's why when, when I listen to a sermon, I ask myself, how is this sermon going to impact my life? How is this sermon, how is it going to change my values? Or what different will I do this week because of the message? I am tired of, of, of church being mental gymnastics. I'm tired of people saying, that was a deep sermon. Well, what did it do for you? What did it do for you? Huh? You know, like I um, went to church once and, um, and I preached my sermon and, um, and I said to the church, I said, you know, I know at the end of this message, you always say this was a good sermon. But, 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 but the sermon is all that good and your life isn't changed. You see, it's not how loud you say amen, but it's, but, but, but it's the words that you use when you're through shouting. It's not how high you jump, but it's how you walk when you've landed. Huh? What really happens after the inspiration, church? My prayer, my prayer, my prayer is that we would allow people to experience Emmanuel, God, with us. That's what the world is dying for. That's what the folks around this, the, the neighborhood is, is, is screaming out for. They, they, they don't just want to hear about your God stuff. According to Auntie Ellen, you know, you, know, you know what Auntie Ellen said? Auntie Ellen said Christ met the people where they were met their needs, and then bid them, come follow me. What we want to do, as soon as we meet them, hey, come follow. And then now and again, we might meet their needs if we're in a good mood. Huh? God with us is the cry of Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. That's what Jesus was to so many people. That's why his parents, 
That's why the, the way he was born. Remember when Jesus was born? Jesus was born, well, we have a kind of nice word for it in a manger. That was like a feeding trough. You know what I'm saying? It was like Jesus was born in one of those dirty gas station bathrooms on Highway 101. That it, was, it was bad. And his first visitors, check. No, not the kings. No, not the folks who were blinging. No, it was shepherds. You all know shepherds, right? Shepherds were those people who cross your borders without documents. You, you know shepherds, right? Shepherds is those folks who work for less than $2 an hour. They don't smell good. They don't look good. Shepherds, his first visitors, and, 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 and his parents, they were broke. Broke. It means when they squeezed their pockets, it burped. They were broke. You know? They couldn't even afford the lamb, the regular offering. They had to bring turtle doves. Broke. Because Jesus, Jesus came so that he could identify with the least of these. So that humanity would truly know that God is with us. And church, when people understand that God is with them, then those Bible promises would come to life. When they understand God is with them through your love, then they can believe I can do all things through Christ because he strengthens me. When, you, when they understand that God is with them through your kindness, through your no-strings-attached mercy and compassion, then they can claim Romans 8 and verse 37. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. When people understand, when they get a glimpse that in the midst of their, of their hardship, in, in, in the midst of their pain and their perplexing problems and plight, that God is still with them then they can be encouraged and they can receive strength to live in this untoward generation. And I know some of us are struggling with this. Man, listen, preacher. Christ is coming real soon. What's the use feeding the homeless? You know, trying to... Try, I mean, the, the poor shall always be with us. Didn't, didn't Jesus say that? What's the use trying to do? Let's just focus, as some of my good friends tell me, let's just focus on preaching the gospel and that's it. Huh? You know, um, young blind lady, she was really depressed about life because they told her that she had to work in a little institution where she would weave straws to make baskets and chairs and so on. And, but she wanted to do something different with her life. And finally, she got an idea and she got a break. She got the opportunity to sell apples outside of um, Chicago O'Hare Airport. And man, she was so excited. She was like thrilled. She was like, God, you can't be this good. And it was her, her, the day of her opening. And she got out there and she was selling her apples. And, and she was so proud. Every time a sale came, she saw hopes. She saw dreams. She, she saw her, her goals and accomplishments finally coming into fruition. And then three businessmen, they were kind of late for a flight, and they were, they, were, they, were, they were rushing, right? Boop! They knocked over her tables, and all the apples spilled all over the floor. And as the apples fell, so did her dreams. So did her hopes. So did her courage. So did her faith. And she got down on her knees, and she started groping and feeling for the apples one by one. And as she was trying to recover her apples, and, and you know, the spill reminded her of her life. One big mess she kept thinking to herself. And she's asking herself, man, where is God when I go through such hurts? And then all of a sudden, to her surprise, she heard a familiar voice. It was 
it was one of the businessmen. He chose to miss his flight so that he can help this girl recover all her apples and he helped her pick it up and sprayed them off and, and then he paid her for all the apples and he said, you can just you can sell the rest and, and keep the change. And then as she, she held his hands and she started touching his hands and she asked him a question. She said, she said, Mr. Mr. Are you Jesus? Mr. Are you, are you Jesus? And church, God, God sent me by this Sabbath morning to ask you a question. When was the last time someone accidentally took you for Jesus? When was the last time you showed such kindness to your kids and respect to your spouse that they went to work and they went to school and they said, you know, I think, I think mommy might be Jesus. When was the last time you showed such love to a co-worker even though they were, they were hateful and bitter? That they, that they, that they, they told your other co-workers, he, he, he might be Jesus. God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. My prayer, my hope today is that somebody will truly experience God with them through the practical love that you and I share. Stand with me and let's share in a prayer before we move on to our closing hymn and, and the benediction. Bow your heads where you are, Father. You have spoken a word to all of us, Lord, and we have been comfortable doing nothing, absolutely nothing. And the sick and the sad thing about it, Lord, is that we think we are doing your service by talking about doing your service. Thank you, God, that you have rebuked us. But Father, my, my prayer is that you would give us the strength and the courage and that you would help us to understand that, that it's not Christian. It's not Christianity if we are not following you in the trenches of life. It's not following Jesus if we are not ministering to the marginalized and the broken. It, it could never be following Jesus if the hurts of those who are broken and, and battered are not being mended, if the blind are not receiving sight, if the imprisoned are not being set free. So, oh God, transform our thinking and our understanding of what it means to follow you. And Father, we give you praise and we give you honor that your great Holy Spirit would fill our hearts and empower our lives so that we can truly be God with those who we interact with. Thank you for answering. Thank you for hearing. And thank you for doing more abundantly, exceedingly, above all that we can ask or think. In the holy and the, the gracious name of our Lord, Savior, Jesus. Amen. Join us again next time for the word of God which will feed the soul. I am committed to bring you the fullness of the gospel as Jesus has revealed it to us in order to prepare a people for his soon coming.